and 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 so I, you know, I, uh, we started talking, and and he said, yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, uh, Pastor Dan, I, I went to your seminar uh, when you were in Beijing, and and we went through that whole thing, and and he said I was so blessed by it. He said I, I, I got the video of of the seminar, and and I, I've got your manual, and he said. I've gone over and over, and he says, I teach your course now in eight Bible schools in different parts of China. And I go, well, how did you get here to Boston, of all places? He said, well, this Calvary here has supported me for a long time, and they just uh, flew me in uh, for this week. And when I heard you were going to be here, I was so excited that I could get a chance to see you and talk to you. But but, you, you know, God just takes his word and he spreads it. And I can only go so many places. But God takes his word and, and it goes to many, many places. I have pastors literally now in many countries around the world who teach inductive Bible study to their churches, to their people. And it's spreading in so many places. But it's just a, a joy to be a, a part of something that God is doing and his word, as you know, is so critical. And we have to be students of his word. So this morning, uh, I want to take a text that I'm sure you're all very familiar with. You would turn to the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to look in chapter 6 of the Gospel of Mark. And it's a text I use a great deal with pastors and leaders in different countries that we work in. And... We're going to look uh, at the story of the feeding of the 5,000, okay? And that picks up in Mark 6, verse 30, okay? Mark 6, verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, as we divide your word this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and be our teacher and direct us to the truths that we need to understand. So, Lord, we just commit this time to you this morning in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, as we read the first three verses of our text, and we're going to go through the whole story, if you didn't know the background, you would have no idea what Mark is talking about here. And one of the things that when you go to study your Bible that is so important is context. You see, context helps you to understand what the text is talking about. And so you have to always figure out what is the context here. And that's one of the reasons why teaching through the scriptures is so important. And what your pastor does for you is as he teaches through, you're getting context from week to week, what happened before and what's happening now and what's going to happen the next week as you get in and work through the text. And so to get the context here, we have to go back in the earlier part of chapter 6 to understand what Mark is talking about here because he has changed subjects in between. And so if you go back to verse 7 of Mark chapter 6, 
And you see, this is right after he has been in his hometown, Nazareth, and we know that he was rejected by his own people. And it said that he could do few miracles there, and it said he marveled at their unbelief. And, you know, unbelief is a crippler. It really hinders what God wants to do. And so it says in verse 7 that he called the 12 to himself, and he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them power over the unclean spirits. And so we know that this is actually going to be the first time that Jesus is sending his disciples out. Now, if you go back into Mark in chapter 3, you see that he, he called the disciples to himself, and he gave them his authority uh, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and to preach the gospel. But they haven't gone out yet. And so this is the first encounter now that, where they're going out to minister on their own. And I want you to look, uh, ju jump ahead to verse 12, and you see the results of this first time of ministry as God sent, Jesus sent them out and gave them this authority over the unclean spirits. And you know why he does that? Because the minute you go out to minister, you have an adversary that is waiting for you. And he's going to do everything he can to thwart you and do what he, he can do to keep the gospel from going forward. And so uh, we know that, that uh, uh, they, verse 12 tells us that they went out and preached that people should repent. It says they cast out many demons and oil with all many who were sick and healed them. And so we realized that this first time of ministry was really significant. And the reason it was significant is because Jesus had given them his authority. And you understand that Jesus gives us his authority today to do whatever we need to do in ministry. And, and so uh, it was a, a rather successful time. And then we know that uh, Mark talks about John the Baptist next being beheaded. And then you pick up in verse 30 again, and you realize this is he's come back to what has happened when the disciples were sent out for that first time of ministry. And it says they gathered to Jesus and they told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And, and so we know that it must have been an amazing time that they had in this first ministry out. And they, they were sharing with Jesus all their stories and everything that had happened in that event. And, and, and certainly... Uh, they must have had some amazing stories to share with Jesus that day. And, and in verse 31, and, and it says that he, he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. And so we realize from this first ministry experience, Jesus had picked up, they, they come back with two problems. The first was, it says that they were tired. They were so busy ministering. They, it, it says, secondly, they didn't even have time to eat. So they were tired and they were hungry. And that was the issue that Jesus saw as he looked at his disciples from all this time of ministry. Uh, and certainly we can all identify with them, can't we? You've all been tired. You've all been hungry. Is anybody tired and hungry this morning? <laughs> yeah, there's donuts out there, I think. Not the most nourishing. <laughs> and so uh, he said, let's come aside by ourselves and, and let's go to this deserted place and rest a while. And, and folks, you've got to understand it's so important to learn to rest. 
we all get busy and so many things going on and we need that time to rest and be refreshed and be renewed. So important that we learn to take time to be alone with Jesus and be refreshed and renewed. And, and we know that, that it's, it's critical as I work with pastors in so many countries and I often find pastors are worn out. They get so busy. Can you imagine, I was talking to a pastor not too long ago, and on a Sunday, he starts around six in the morning, and he goes to his first church, he pastors, and preaches his sermon, and then he goes to a second church and ministers again, and then he goes to his third church. He had four churches that he was going to every Sunday. Uh, that, that's a busy man. And, and, and so many times I run across pastors and they literally get worn out in the ministry. And they need rest. Your pastor right now needs some rest. And that's why I've been here. And I know you'll have somebody next week coming in and, and giving your pastor a little rest, but he needs rest. And, and folks, uh, you need to pray. And lift up your pastor constantly because it's not easy. Some people, you know, they'd come to me and say, Pastor, what do you do during the week? You know, I mean, you preach on Sunday, but what do you do on the week? You, do you play golf or, you know, what do you do with your time? And some people think pastors just go out and play golf in their free time, you know. But uh, there's so much that a pastor does all the time. And many people have no idea. And you get those calls in the middle of the night and so many issues that are there. And, and, and so we know that pastors especially, they need rest. And, and you and I also learn, need to learn to rest in our relationship with him. So we're told in verse 32 that they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. So now they're headed out to this particular place. Now, one of the things that you can do when you work with a text like this, this text is referred to as a narrative, and there's five different kinds of of writings in our Bible. We've got narratives, we've got epistles, we've got poetry, we've got parables, and then you have prophecy. So five different kinds of writing that you find in your Bible. And when you go to study the each, each particular type, uh, book type, you have to understand how to study it because you can't study each one the same way. And when you go to study a narrative text, one of the things that's very helpful is to put your shoes Put yourself into the shoes of the characters. Feel with them a little bit. And, and I want you to do that with me this morning as we get into this. I want you to feel a little bit what it would have been like to be one of those 12. How many of you enjoy be, being one of those 12 and in the boat with Jesus that day? Wouldn't that be amazing? Think about that. And, and so uh, Jesus has just asked you to get into the boat. You know, and, and, and so I want you to imagine you're there, okay? And you just put that in your mind and he's just... You know, you're, you're in the boat with him now, and, and, and you know what? You can't just sit there. You, you're going to have to row the boat, you know, and because there's no motor on this boat. And so everybody's rowing the boat, you know, and, and just I want you to think about what would the atmosphere be like in that boat as you're with Jesus there. And remember, they've just come back from working miracles, preaching, teaching. It's just incredible time of ministry. And, and so if you were one of those 12, what do you think you would be doing? Hmm? 
You're rowing the boat? You're going to be there in silence? No. I have a feeling, uh, I, I don't know about you, but when I've just come back from seeing miracles happen, and I see them often in these different places that I go, you know, I, 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 you can't shut me up. I'm telling everybody about the miracles, you know, because it was so amazing to see what God was doing. And so I can just hear them sharing in the boat. Uh, again, the text doesn't tell us this, but, but because we know they're human beings just like you and I, we'd probably be doing the same thing. And so I can just hear the stories as they're rowing in that boat and headed to that quiet, lonely place. Man, they're going to get alone away from the crowds. They're going to rest and get refreshed and renewed. And, and it's a pretty bright thing to be looking forward to. And, and I can just hear the stories. Can you hear them? Jesus, uh, they brought this man to us, and, and he was crippled. He, he couldn't even walk. And, and, and so we, we, uh, we just did what you told us to do. We laid hands on him, and we prayed over him, and we anointed him with oil. And Jesus, it was incredible. The guy got up and walked. Do you hear the story? And I can hear another one going, Jesus, they brought this guy in. And man, he was demon possessed. He was demon possessed. And, and and we just we just took authority over those demons and we rebuked them and and it was amazing, Jesus. They obeyed us. And he was healed. Do you hear the story? And I can hear story after story. I can hear Peter going, guys, that was nothing what you get over there. You should have seen what we did over here, you know. And so, you know, you can hear the stories going, and they're rowing. They're heading over to this quiet, lonely place. And then notice what the text tells us in verse 33. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him. And they ran there on foot from all the cities and arrived before them and came together to them. So we see from our text that the people recognized where Jesus was going. And notice what it says. Did they walk there? It said they ran there. Which tells you something, doesn't it? It tells you that they were eager to get there. And so they ran there, and they got there ahead of them. And so now this quiet, lonely place that we're headed to is no longer quiet nor lonely. And we know from our text that there are going to be thousands of people there. Okay, so you're one of the 12, right? How would you look at this crowd? Would you be going, hallelujah, we're going to get to minister some more. Remember what they've just come from. They were so busy ministering, they couldn't even eat. And now here's another big crowd. And I don't think that the disciples were going, hallelujah. I think they would be doing what you and I would be doing, and that is, oh, man, look at all those people. Jesus, can we go somewhere else? I don't think the disciples were all that excited about this crowd, and we're going to see that as we continue to work through our text. And so Jesus is going to look at these people as we're going to see from our text. And he's going to look at them very differently than what you and I would look at this crowd. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude. 
and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So I began to teach them many things. Jesus looked out. And as he looked at this huge crowd of people, he saw them like sheep. We sang about that this morning, didn't we? Sheep without a shepherd. And we know that sheep aren't very bright animals. We know that the sheep are, you know, they, 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 need, a, they need some direction because they get lost really easy. Isn't it interesting you and I are often referred to as sheep? <laughs> and so Jesus saw their lostness. And because he saw that lostness, it said, text says he was moved with compassion. He really cared for these people. I want to ask you a question. How much do you really care for people? When you see the people out there, when you see your neighbors, when you see people at work, how much compassion do you really have? How much do you really care? It's so important to have compassion. And one of the things that I do previously, Lord, give me your eyes to see people the way you see them. Because often I don't see them the way he sees them. And sometimes I remember in my church, I'd have people coming up to me and I'm going, oh no, here they come again. And I didn't have a whole lot of compassion for them. I didn't, I, I, I knew what was coming and, and I really didn't want to talk to them. And so often we don't have that compassion. We don't really care. And you and I are called by him to serve and to minister to people, and we must have compassion. We must care for them. And so we're told that he began to teach them many things because he saw their lostness. And do you understand that God has given you many things to share with other people? Many of you have sat in this church for years, and you've been filled with knowledge and so much insight from the word of God as your pastor has faithfully taught you. And you see, you can't just keep it for yourself, but you want to share it with other people. And God wants all of us to be reaching out to other people and ministering to them and caring for them because they're lost. And Jesus saw their lostness, and so he taught them many things. In verse 35, it says, And the day was now far spent. And his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into surrounding country and villages to buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And so now the disciples come to Jesus, and they bring up two issues. Did you see them? Again, when you work with your text, you got to be careful to observe what the text says. And the disciples, they came and brought up two issues. First of all, they brought up the clock. Jesus, you've been teaching a long time. I'm sure you've never said that about your pastor. <laughs> and they brought up the time. 
Jesus, uh, the, these, it's late in the, and there's no, uh, and there's no food here. So you see the two things they brought up? The time, and there's no food. And, and you realize those are the things that are very dear to their own hearts. Because these people are on their time to be alone. And they're not real excited about that. You need to get these people out of here, Jesus. And then secondly, there, there's no food here. Well, who else didn't have any food? <laughs> we know our disciples had nothing. And, and so they brought up the time and the food. And Jesus responded to them, and he answered in verse 37, and he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread to give them something to eat? Jesus said, well, then you feed them if, they're, if they need, they're hungry. Now, can I remind you of what they had just been doing? They'd just been working miracles, Remember? Why aren't they thinking miracles now? Because immediately they go to the physical. Where in the world are we going to get enough money to buy bread for all these people? That's impossible. Look at this crowd. How in the world can we possibly feed them? There's so many people out there. And you see, they're thinking about the physical. They're not looking at the spiritual. And you see, with the crowd out there, they're going, this is impossible. <laughs> There's just no way. And so Jesus, Jesus uh, responds to them, and he says, well, uh, how many loaves do you have? Go and look. And they went out, and they found five and two fish. He said, well, what are your resources, guys? What do you have available? They had no clue. So they went out and looked in the crowd, and all they came back with was five loaves and two fish. And these loaves were not like what we're used to, okay? We're talking about like a cupcake. Tiny little loaves. And can you just see them standing there going, Jesus, this isn't enough even for us. This is, you know, this, this is it. And so I'm sure they were thinking he's going to send them away now. <coughs> and then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And so instead of sending them away, as I'm sure the disciples were thinking, well, there's, you know, there's not enough food. He's going to get them out of here. We'll dismiss them. He now puts them down. And I want you to notice in the text where he put them down. Very interesting. This paints a beautiful picture. He put them down on what? Green grass. Do you understand what green grass is? It's the rich, nourishing food that the sheep feed upon. Green grass. Now, uh, we know there's two kinds of grasses, right? There's green grass and then there's brown grass. Brown grass obviously isn't very nourishing. But the green grass, it's the good stuff. It's what the sheep feed upon. 
Brothers and sisters, you see this book right here? This is the bread of life. And this is what the sheep are to feed upon. And this book is filled with green grass. It's rich and it's nourishing and it will satisfy you and meet your needs. But do you realize that you can use this book and get nothing but brown grass out of it? And I often ask that question to the pastors that I work with. I ask them a question, what are you feeding your sheep? What are you giving them Sunday after Sunday? Are they getting green grass? Or are they getting brown grass? You know what brown grass is? It's when you take this book and you will have many pastors do this on this very Sunday. And they will open it up and they will read maybe one verse and then they close the book and they go off and talk about whatever moves them. And you know what they're delivering to their congregation that morning? Brown grass. I was talking to a pastor in our, after we had finished up our seminar in a certain place, and he came up to me, and this guy was the head of his denomination, and he had a doctorate degree, and this guy was, you know, very bright. And uh, he came up to me and he said, Pastor Dan, when you ask the question, what are you feeding your sheep, brown grass or green grass, I said, well, obviously I've been giving my sheep green grass. I've been pastoring for over 40 years. He said, by the time you took me through the seminar, he said, I realized that all I had been doing for 40 years is giving my people brown grass. What an admission. And he asked me to pray for him. And I did. And you see, it's so easy to give out brown grass. But how do you get the green stuff? Well, you have to learn how to study. You have to learn how to look at your text, how to first observe it and get the facts. And then how you interpret it as you work with the context to ex explain the meaning of the text and then making application, applying it to our lives. And it's so critical. Week after week, we can hear the word of God, understand what it means, have a good interpretation of it, and, and, and yet make no application at all. And you and I must apply God's word to our lives. And so... green grass. What are you getting when you study your Bible? How many of you read your Bible and 10 minutes later you can't remember a word of what you just read? See, And, and, and so how do you get into it? How do you get the green stuff? You just have to keep working. And you have to meditate on it and pray and ask God to give you insight because he wants to feed us and nourishes through his word. But the word of God, it's rich and it's nourishing. It feeds the sheep. It's what you and I are to feed upon, the riches of God's word. And when you take in the five loaves, 
and the two fish. He looked up towards heaven. He blessed and he broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples to set before them and the two fish he divided among them all. And so Jesus took that bread and the fish and he blessed it. And then secondly, we're told that he broke the loaves. And thirdly, he started passing it out and kept passing it out until everybody ate and were satisfied. And it must have been an incredible miracle that day to see. You know, I, I would have loved to have been there and watched this, you know, as he's, as he's taken the food and blessed it and he's breaking it. And you can just see, here's a basket about so big. And, and here's a little tiny little loaf of bread, you know, and he's breaking it. And, and he breaks it and breaks it. And, and this basket that's about so big, it's, it's been filled with one tiny little loaf and then a second basket and a third basket. Do you see the bread? It's just multiplying like crazy. And the two fish, he, he breaks them up and they go out to the whole crowd. But you see, first of all, he blessed the food. Do you bless your food before you eat it? Hmm? If you were traveling with me to some of the places that I go, uh, sometimes I will sit down to eat a meal, and folks, I'm not kidding you, I have no idea what I'm about to eat. And you know what I do? I really bless that food. <laughs> And I've been very fortunate. I only got food poisoning one time in all these years that I've been on the road. But I, I tell you what, uh, he bl blessed the food. And when you get ready to study this book, you need to bless it. This is God's word. It's a holy book. And he has much he wants to teach you. So they blessed the, the bread and the fish. And then he broke the loaf. He didn't give him the whole loaf of bread. He broke it down into bite sizes. And when you study the word of God, that's exactly what you need to do. You need to learn to break it down into bite sizes. And I have a whole system that I've developed in inductive Bible study that teaches you how to go through and break a verse into pieces. And, and, and then you'll understand what your pastor is doing every Sunday is he's taking the word and he's breaking it down into little pieces because that's where the riches are of God's word. If you just buzz through and read it, you know, you'll get so much, but if you take time to break your text apart into little pieces, you will get much, much more. I have a whole charting system that I've developed where you have three columns and the first column is observation. And you, you write down just what the text says. And then there's an interpretation part where you explain what does that mean. And then there's an application part where you can make application. But learning to break it down into bite sizes is so critical. And you got to take time. Again, it's, you, you need to read the word. But so often when we read it, we read it way too fast. And you got to slow down when it comes to the Word of God. And you got to take time to look at that verse. Look at the details that are there. 
And notice the result. It says he kept passing it out over and over. First he blessed the food, then he broke the loaves, and thirdly he kept passing it out until everybody got some and ate and were satisfied. Did you notice what the text says? They all ate, verse 42, and were hungry. Is that what your text says? What does it say? Oh, my goodness. Do you see how easy it is that I could deceive you if you didn't have a book in your hand? you got to follow along. Because it doesn't say they all ate and were hungry. It says they were filled. They were satisfied. Think about that for a moment. Everybody there got enough to satisfy them. You know when you've been satisfied, right? We know after we've eaten if that's enough or we need to eat a little bit more. But they all ate and were satisfied. Now, take a look at verse 44. Those who'd eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Wow. Think about that. 5,000 men ate of the loaves. And then if you go over to the Gospel of Matthew, it will give you a little more insight. It says 5,000 men plus women and children. So we're talking about a rather big crowd of people here. If there was 5,000 men, there were probably 10,000 women, and who knows, maybe 25,000 kids. We don't know how many more were there. But everybody ate and were satisfied from five little loaves and two fish. Incredible miracle. Now go back to verse 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fish. 12 baskets full. Now again, don't miss this. Because how many disciples were there? And how many baskets full of leftovers? Do you see the connection there? I don't think that was an accident. And now can you see each one of those disciples, and again, the text doesn't say this, but can you see each one of those disciples standing in front of Jesus with a basket full of leftovers? And what was their question just a little bit earlier? Where in the world are we going to get enough money to buy bread for all these people? It's impossible. And can you imagine the looks on their faces as they're holding all this leftover stuff after everybody ate and were satisfied? Okay, now we get to the point of the story. What was Jesus trying to teach his disciples that day? Follow me. And you get free food. <laughs> Follow me, and you're going to get to see lots of miracles. See, what was it he was really trying to teach them? As Jesus worked with his disciples, he constantly was instructing them. He was constantly working with them because they were a little slow to get it. And you see what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples 
is they have to walk by faith. You can't walk by sight. You have to trust him because we don't know how he's going to provide many times. And we have to have our faith fully in him. And he wants them to learn to trust him, that he can take the little bit that they have and he can multiply it. Years ago, I was doing a seminar <clears throat> in the Philippines where we lived and uh, we would go out and work with usually about 100 to 200 pastors at a time in our seminars. They would come for four days. And during those four days, we would feed them and uh, give them all their materials for free. And we would even sometimes give them a little bit of money to go home. So it would cost me quite a bit of money to do a seminar. And, and so we were getting ready to go to do this seminar on another island when uh, the guy that handled all of our money came up to, up to me and he said, Pastor Dan, I, I am so sorry, but I miscalculated how much this is going to cost. And he said, we don't have enough money to feed them for four days. We have just enough for one day. And we can't go and do the seminar and not feed them. And, and so we better call them and cancel the seminar. I said, well, we need to pray. So we gathered together all of our staff and we prayed. And when we got done, I just felt we needed to go and trust the Lord. So I told my staff, I said, well, we, we've got to go. We're, we're going to just trust the Lord. And so uh, we, we went out to do the, uh, the seminar. We got to the uh, location, and we gave the cook all the money that we had for food, just enough for one day. We didn't tell him that that was all the money we had. And so he goes out to the marketplace, and he's buying rice and vegetables and so forth for, you know, 200 pastors is a lot of food. And, and so uh, the people in the marketplace said to him, why are you buying so much food? And he said, oh, we have these pastors. They've come from all over, and they're studying the Bible. And the people in the marketplace were so touched, they said, oh, that is wonderful. We would like to bless you. Can we give you a little more rice? And can we give you some more vegetables? And they gave him so much food that day. Guess what? It lasted four days. And I believe in miracles. And you see, so often, we, we don't know how we're going to do what, what we need to do. And God simply says, trust me. I'll provide for you. Never forget another time in India doing the largest seminar I ever did. I had 1,400 pastors. And can you imagine feeding 1,400 pastors for four days? And, uh, you know, giving them a place to sleep. And it, it was really an expensive seminar. I never spent so much money. It was going to cost me over $30,000 for this conference. And I never spent that kind of money before. And that's one of the reasons why, to this day, we keep our seminars small. <laughs> but one, I got to the day that I'm leaving, and I had raised about $25,000. And I was short $5,000. i am going, Lord, what are we going to do? And the Lord just said, trust me. So, uh, so I 
took out another $5,000 loan, <laughs> and, and I had my $30,000, and we went and did our seminar. And uh, we had a tremendous time, just an awesome time. And when I got done, we're heading back. We get back to the States, and I've been gone for a couple weeks. And usually I'll have a stack of mail about so big that I've got to work through. And I, uh, this was mail that had come to the home, not to our ministry. And, and so anyway, I'm going through my letters. The last letter I opened up, and I took a double take because there was a check for $5,000 in there. And the person said, you know, the Lord just was putting this on my heart. He said, I, 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 I knew that I was supposed to send it to you, but I, I, it was just a lot to send. And, and I was just leery about doing it. And he said, I, I kind of waited, you know, but, but I hope you can still use this. And he apologized for not sending it when he did, because if he had to send it when he had, had the Lord put it on his heart, we would have had it before we went. But you see, we have to trust him. We walk by faith and not by sight. And I want to encourage you today. Are you trusting him? Are you walking by faith? Are you going to be what he's called you to be in these last days. Oh, I, I love this story of Jesus looking out and seeing these people as lost sheep. And you and I, we need to look out and realize all the people around us, they're lost. And they need Jesus. And so... We have a great opportunity in these days to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for your word. How we thank you, Lord, that it moves us. Lord, we, we realize that so often we get caught into circumstances and situations. We don't know what to do. And you're calling us to trust you. And Lord, you know how all of us struggle in trust. And we want to see the answer before. And often, you don't give that to us. But Lord, I thank you that you care for us. I thank you that you've called us to trust you in all that we do and say. So this morning, Lord, I just ask for your strength and your encouragement to this body. And I pray that you would just use them in a mighty way. I pray that every single one that is sitting here would, would continue their walk with you trust you for all that you want to do in their lives. So Lord, we give you praise. We give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said,